prayer is our connection with God, a time to bring forth our hurts, our worries, and our praises, a time to be in the presence of Jesus. This month, we at A Significant Life want to help lead you into a focused time with our Father. Uniting together in prayer, we pray for transformations that only the Holy Spirit can bring. When you sign up at asignificantprayerlife.com, we'll send you prayer points and sample prayers to help guide your words and deepen your prayer life. Each week, there will be a new focus. We will pray together for those in struggling marriages, in abusive marriages, and for those in relationships where one spouse may not believe in Jesus. Together, we will lift up our children, students, and youth. Across the world, we will individually pray for the cities in which we live, lifting up the leaders and decision makers. And we will pray for our countries, including our United States of America. Let's ask God for a renewal of the Holy Spirit in our churches and guidance amongst our governments and leadership. This October, we hope you'll join us for a significant prayer life. Let's unite in prayer and be part of what God is doing across the globe. Visit a significantprayerlife.com to sign up today. Today on A Significant Life with Jim Graff. Do you know what's interesting about sheep? They never believe there's not a better pasture than the one they're in. So when the shepherd takes them to a great pasture, they're always looking around thinking maybe something better is out there. Doesn't that sound like human beings? And you know what God wants us to know? Not only is the grass greener where you water it, not greener on the other side, but how many of you know the grass is greenest when we're being led by the shepherd into his very best for our life. Can you say amen? Can you imagine if you were so popular that everybody in the country wanted you to become king? For a lot of people, that would be a pretty intoxicating thing, right? When they thought about the power and the privilege, they would think, there is no way that I can turn this position down. And just so you know, if you ever become president of the United States, don't forget your pastor, because I would love to ride on Air Force One, and I'm certain that the food on Air Force One is going to be better than what they feed me on Southwest, right? But today, we're going to look at a passage where Jesus literally had the people want him to be made the king and he turned it down because he actually had a higher vision for his life we're going to read in John chapter 6 and it starts by saying this that the people saw a sign that Jesus performed now let's talk about the sign that Jesus performed he was given uh, five small barley loaves and a few small fish and Jesus offered them to God and when he did God multiplied it so that 5,000 men ended up being fed with their families. But then the Bible goes on to say that when they saw that sign, they began to say, surely this is the prophet.
prophet who's come into the world and Jesus knowing that they intended to come and make him a king by force withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Now I want you to notice that they said surely this is the prophet. They didn't say surely this is a prophet and there's a reason for that and that is if you were a young Jewish boy you would have heard your entire life that Moses told the Israelites in the 13th century that there was going to be a prophet the Messiah who God was going to send to the earth and when he came it was important that we really listened to who he was and so the people said you know what we need to make Jesus the king because after all he's the fulfillment of Deuteronomy 8:15, where God said the Lord's going to raise up this prophet that we need to listen to but listen to Isaiah 25 6 because this is another messianic scripture about Jesus it says that the Lord Almighty was going to prepare a a feast of rich food for all the people and that's what the people were responding to that was a messianic passage and when Jesus multiplied those fish and he multiplied those loaves of bread the people were saying now this is the person that we really need to make our king but here's another scripture that talks about Jesus in Isaiah 40 and it says see the sovereign Lord comes with power and here's what he came to do he came to tend his flock like a shepherd and that's what we're going to talk about this morning what does it mean to have Jesus as the shepherd of our soul why did Jesus come to be the shepherd of your soul and the shepherd of my soul and it's kind of funny isn't it that somebody would have no ambition for the privilege and the power that would come with being our king but he would have a lot of passion to be a shepherd who who interacted with us in life and I think we're going to see that in the end people who are servants and who are shepherds end up having more entrance in people's hearts than people who want to rule over those people I heard a story recently about this rich man and you know his wealth had been good to him so he said to his son he said son when I go to heaven he said I'm going to put some bars of gold in my briefcase make sure this this the that that briefcase gets into my casket with me whenever they're getting ready to bury me and sure enough God let this man have his briefcase up in heaven and when he went through the pearly gates he looked around and he said wow this is just pavement up here as he looked at all the streets of gold and listen if we live to control people when we get to heaven we're going to find out our life wasn't very rich but if we live to love and serve people we're going to find out this is why Jesus came into the earth so this morning what I want to talk about is I want to talk about what it should mean to us that Jesus asked us for permission to be our good shepherd on the inside of our heart and number one here's what it means when we need guidance Jesus always promises direction notice verse 2 he said the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep and the gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice so the first thing we should notice is that Jesus can't be our shepherd unless we gain confidence in listening to God's voice on the inside of our heart and the truth is this starts before we even give our heart to Jesus God begins to talk to us when we're just little boys we're just little girls about what he wants to make of our lives listen to the scripture in John 6 verse 44 it says no one 
can come to Jesus unless the Father who sent me draws them. In other words, Jesus said that the Holy Spirit starts talking to us when we're just little people. And he begins to talk to our hearts. And what God's trying to do is God's trying to draw us into a lifestyle where we experience the love of God. I remember many times when I was a little boy, but one time I remember I was in the fourth grade and they gave me like the smallest part in the school play anybody could possibly have my job was to hold up an airplane and I was to jump across the stage jump across I could jump better back then even though this white boy never jumped too well but as I was jumping all of the students were singing zoom 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 across the sky and the truth is I had a bigger part in the year before but I messed up my speaking part I know they made a note don't give Jimmy Graff a speaking part or he's going to mess it up right but I can still remember standing before the people and the spirit of the Lord spoke to me and he said one day you're going to stand before a lot of people and you're going to talk to them about me and I thought wow that was God who was talking to my heart and for all of us we have that that that's the same voice that spoke to me when I was 19 years old and he told me hey you know what I don't want you to go to a college in Arizona I want you to go to or Roberts University. That was the same voice that told me, you know what, I haven't called you to play baseball and then go to law school and do the things you're thinking about. I have another plan for your life. And whenever we follow that particular voice, we find that, you know what, God knows how to love us better than we could ever love ourselves. You know, David said this in Psalm 23, and we're going to read this entire psalm today. And one of the reasons is because scholars say that it is the most concise, comprehensive description of the love of God in the entire Bible. And listen to how David starts when he talks about how we're to experience the love of God. He says in verse one, it's because the Lord is my shepherd that I lack nothing. So why would we want to resist a life where somebody promises that if you'll let me love you, you'll lack nothing of true value in your life? Well, I'm glad we have the rest of the psalm, 73 of which David wrote, because when I read them every year, I understand why I struggle to be loved by God in my heart. And let me just give you a few reasons. 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 8 says that we can struggle because we have anger in our heart, maybe because of bad things that happened to us, maybe because of difficult circumstances. We might even blame God for those difficult circumstances in our life. But the Bible says, God wants us to know how to trust him and to believe he's going to bring about good because if we do that, he's going to bless our life. Or maybe it's fear that you're battling in your heart. The Bible says in Luke 12, verse 32, that if we're going to experience God's goodness, we have to win that battle of faith versus fear. Fear because the battle looks so big in front of me. It seems like there's no way I could overcome this and get through this. Or faith because God's with me it may take a little while but God's going to help me do everything he promised me he'd do in my life or how about this one 
The Bible talks in Hebrews 5, 14 about how confusion can dominate our hearts. And it says it takes practice if we're going to learn how to let God begin to clear up the confusion so that he can guide us into the good that God's dreaming of doing in our lives. And the Bible calls us sheep for a reason. You say, why, Pastor? Well, this isn't very complimentary today, so get ready, okay? I brought a video with me that is so funny that illustrates the point. I want the guys to roll it this morning. Can you believe it? I almost put it up on my Facebook and put me too under the bottom of it, right? Because so many times I can just make bad decisions and end up in another bad decision. But that's why Jesus came to shepherd our hearts. Let me talk about the second reason he came. Not only because we need guidance and he'll give us direction, but Jesus said when we long for blessing, he promises us provision in life. Verse three says the gatekeeper opens the gate and the sheep listen to his voice And then it says Jesus calls his sheep by name and he leads them out. Now does that sound like a God to you who wants to have a distant relationship with you where he's angry? Absolutely not. But what it means is in every season of life, God knows your name, God knows what you're going through. And I want to give you some encouragement this morning. If you don't know God very well, just start doing this. Read your Bible and give God just 10 or 15 minutes every day. And can I tell you what will happen pretty soon giving God 10 or 15 minutes every day will lead to you wanting to give God 20 minutes and 30 minutes of your day. You say, why will you want to do that? Because as God shares his wisdom with you, you're going to realize, man, life would have worked out better if I would have had the direction of Jesus in my life. And that's what the Bible says. He knows our name. And then it says this, he leads us out. What does he lead us out to? Well, David talks about that in Psalm 23 when he says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Do you know what's interesting about sheep? They never believe there's not a better pasture than the one they're in. So when the shepherd takes them to a great pasture, they're always looking around thinking maybe something better is out there. Doesn't that sound like human beings? And you know what God wants us to know? Not only is the grass greener where you water it, not greener on the other side, but how many of you know the grass is greenest when we're being led by the shepherd into his very best for our life. Can you say amen? The Bible says he makes me lie down in green pastures. And it says he leads me beside the quiet waters. Do you know that sheep can't drink from water that runs too fast? So the shepherd not only has to find green pasture, but he has to find quiet waters. And in the same way, Jesus knows what we can take. And he knows how to feed us and refresh us every single day and to have a personal relationship with Jesus means that he begins to refresh our soul. Now you say, Pastor, why do so few people have a relationship with God like that? 
Well, Paul was very theological in much of his writing, but once you understand theology, he was brilliant in how practical he was. And I love this scripture in 1 Corinthians 1.30 where he tells us that it's because of him, speaking of God the Father. In other words, the Bible says in Hebrews that Jesus came because God the Father looked down and he saw the condition we were in and he tapped his son Jesus on the shoulder and he said, will you save mankind? And Jesus said, Father, I've come to do your will. And that's why Jesus stood before crowds and he said, it's God the Father who so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whoever believes and makes me the shepherd is going to have life. But then it goes on to say that it's because of God the Father that we're in Christ Jesus who's become for us wisdom from God. In other words, he brings direction in our life and then it breaks it down. It says that's our righteousness, that's our holiness, and that's our redemption. Now what do those words mean? Righteousness means I'm going to do what's right in God's sight instead of just doing what's right in my sight. Holiness means I'm going to set apart my heart to listen to Jesus instead of doing what I think is right. You know when our kids were little I'd wake up off and I'd say to them at the breakfast table I'd say hey y'all happy today? I was teaching them how to cultivate a spirit of joy and they'd often say yeah daddy we're happy and then I came up with a second phrase I said are you holy today? And they just look around the table like don't tell a thing about what happened upstairs last night and then I'd always close with this I'd say always remember if you're not holy you're not going to be happy for long can somebody give me a good amen and the bible says Jesus doesn't just want to show us what's right he wants us to do right why does he want us to do right because in him is righteousness holiness and redemption redemption is the act of restoring worth that was lost or stolen and think with me about how Jesus promises if we'll let him guide us when we need direction if we'll let him provide for us when we don't know what to do and we don't know where to turn he says I promise you what I'll do is I won't rob you of worth in life but what I'll do is I'll end up restoring worth in life now we've lost sight of this in America today man our schools have become war zones our homes have become places of domestic violence and listen we need somebody we need the church to lift up our voice and to say listen there is an answer his name is Jesus. He shepherds people and families and nations. Amen. As I was preparing for this message, I thought about when I was in the sixth grade. We were playing a football game, and I'll tell you, we played on the pavement. My mom sewed so many patches on my pants, it was crazy. But this one kid, he got mad. I don't even know who won the game, but he was mad at me, and he came up, and he said, I'm going to fight you. And before I knew it, he started swinging. Well, I was born at night, but not last night. So I swung too, as quick as I could. And I hit my, put my fist in his coat and I ripped his coat. He hit me, I hit the pavement. And if you ever wonder if you can see stars, you can see stars. I'm here to testify you can see stars. And I remember when we went into the principal's office, you know what he told us to do? He told us we should, we should obey God. We should be godly kids. You know what they might tell kids nowadays? Well, this all happened because your dad did this and your mother did this and this person did this and 350 years ago this happened. Listen, I don't care what happened yesterday. I want you to know 
if Jesus is Lord of your life today, he will guide you into good and he will provide what you need for life. Can you say amen? And then there's a third thing. Everybody say a third thing. There's a third thing Jesus said, and that is he'll not only give us guidance when we need direction and blessing when we need provision, but when we're in danger, he promises protection. He said, very truly, I tell you, I'm the gate for the sheep, and all who've come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep haven't listened to them. He said, I'm the gate, and whoever enters through me is going to be saved. Now, Jesus was talking about the fact there's a lot of danger that's in the world, and I think this is beautiful that earlier it it talked about how the gate and the shepherd were two different people, and that's because of the fact in Israel's villages, you know a shepherd could only watch over his sheep so many hours a day but sheep needed 24 7 care so what they would do is they would build a big old uh, fence that could hold everybody's sheep and then one person in the village would become the gate and he would stay up that night and then the, the, the shepherd would come in the morning and the sheep would know which, who their shepherd was and they would follow his voice and they would have provision and he would protect their life. But I love what Jesus said when he said, I'm the gate and I'm the shepherd. You say, how can he be the gate and the shepherd? Well, the Bible says this in Psalm 121 verse four and five, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep and it's the Lord who watches over us and what does it mean for him to watch over us well David said this even though I walk through the darkest valley I'll fear no evil for God's with us how many of you know we'll go through some dark times in life we'll go through some difficult times in life but how many of you are glad our shepherd will be with us in every one of those and he'll get us through the difficulty into something good can you say amen he said your rod and your staff they comfort me I brought a picture of these today so we could understand what God was talking about. This is the rod and believe it or not that's how long it was that the shepherd would take this rod and he would beat off wolves and he would beat off bears and he would beat lions away that wanted to kill the sheep. So a shepherd had to be a really courageous guy. You know what the staff's for? It was longer and thinner with a hook or crook on one end but what it was for was when the sheep would make a bad decision. And I can't tell you the times in my life when I was getting ready to make a bad decision, I'd just feel Jesus take his little staff and he'd pull me back into a better place and into a better decision in my life. And when we do that, what's he doing? Jesus, he's protecting our lives. I think back to May 22, 1990. You know, we heard from the doctor that, you know, Tamara had pain in her abdomen. The doctor said, just go home and rest and, you know, just, just, just see if it'll go away. And I was making Michael a hot dog. That was the level of my cooking at that time. And when I was making that hot dog, I just felt Jesus put his little hook around me and say, no, you don't need to do that. You need to get to the hospital. So I called the doctor, met him at the hospital And uh, we found out Andrea was in fetal distress. She would either be brain damaged or dead today. But how many of you are grateful we've got a shepherd? His name is Jesus, amen? He guides us, he provides for us, and he protects us. And David closes by saying, surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's what it means for us to have a shepherd. And if you wondered, why Jesus? Why did he not want to be a king? 
Why did he choose to be a shepherd instead? There's a great story in Matthew 9 where it talks about how Jesus first went to all the little towns and villages and he preached in all the synagogues and as he preached the good news, people found forgiveness and healing and, and, and blessing. And it's interesting, I've been to Israel a few times and we're gonna go to Israel again. I hope some of you can come with us and, and go enjoy God's holy land. But when I was there, I never thought of this, but the guy said to me, he said, you know, Jim, everybody wants to go to Jerusalem. He said, but Jesus really only spent weeks of his life in Jerusalem. He said he spent most of his ministry going to little towns of 30 people and little towns of 50 people. And he would just stand in front of little towns of 30 people and 50 people and he would teach them, God sent me so that you would know that every single one of you are loved. And then the Bible says that Jesus went through their towns and he healed every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. In the Greek, it literally means they were like a boxer who'd fought against things so much, but now he had no strength left even to fight. What a description of our society without Jesus. They're harassed and helpless. What do they need? They need people who understand everyone needs a church. Everyone needs a shepherd. That's why in John 21, John closed his gospel this way. After telling us that Jesus didn't want to be a king, he wanted to be a shepherd, he visited Peter. And you know the story. Peter was leaving the ministry. He thought he had other things to do with his life. And Jesus walked up to him and he said, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, Lord, you know I love you. And he said, then I want you to feed my sheep. He waited a little while and again Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus said, I want you to feed my little lambs. And then he waited a little longer and Jesus looked at him and said, do you love me? And Jesus, Peter was irritated that Jesus would ask him that three times. And he said, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus said back to him, I want you to take care of my sheep. Now, what did Jesus not say to Peter? He never told him, I want you to take care of my little lambs. Because it's impossible for one man to take care of all the little lambs that God has in his kingdom. How many of y'all want to be in a church where we love each other like Jesus loved and God's blessing lives all around us because of it? Can you say amen? You know, I've said this before, but on Christmas Eve, I have a little ritual I developed probably 20 years ago. And I just go to bed, and before I go off to sleep, I just think about how wonderful Jesus has been to me for the 40 plus years that I've served him. And then I start thinking of how grateful I am for all the people that he rescued because he's called me to be a shepherd. I just wanna tell you one story as I close. It's about a young man named Joseph Rojas. And in the early 90s, his mama came to church. And I learned that her husband was an alcoholic and life was difficult in the home. And she had a son, Joseph, who'd never been to church. But man, was he lost on drugs. And you know, later I heard that she went home to him and he was so angry, so bitter. And she put her finger in his eyes because of what she learned about Jesus in the Bible. And she said, Joseph, you quit living this way. You quit living angry at God. You quit living doing drugs. She said, because it's not God who did that. 
God sent Jesus to save us and protect us from this. She said, Joseph, you listen to me. God loves you. Joseph didn't listen. He got on drugs even worse. And one night he took drugs so bad that they thought he died. And he got rushed to the, the, the hospital in town. His mama called the church. Our youth pastor, Lowell Kenyon, went up to see Joseph. And you know what Joseph did? He let Jesus become his great shepherd. He gave his heart to God. You know what he did next? He went to Bible school. You know what he did after that? He's led about 200,000 people to Jesus. How many of you know when we shepherd each other, it makes a difference, amen? We hope you received encouragement and help today from God's Word. And I hope you aren't trying to live out your faith alone. God has a flock for you to be a part of. He is a pastor that He's called to feed you His Word so that you grow confident in His direction, blessed by His provision, and grateful for His protection. And remember, we're praying for churches all across our country this month. And we hope you'll visit our website, significantlife.com, and receive the prayer points. Then pray for God's church and communities all across this nation. Jesus made it so clear that when churches embrace His dream and develop, harassed and helpless people become helped and healed people. Yes, so let's pray for churches all across this nation. As we do, we know God will be praised by His people and churches will have favor in all of our communities. See you next week. Prayer is our connection with God. A time to bring forth our hurts, our worries, and our praises. A time to be in the presence of Jesus. This month, we at A Significant Life want to help lead you into a focused time with our Father. Uniting together in prayer, we pray for transformations that only the Holy Spirit can bring. When you sign up at asignificantprayerlife.com, we'll send you prayer points and sample prayers to help guide your words and deepen your prayer life. Each week, there will be a new focus. We will pray together for those in struggling marriages, in abusive marriages, and for those in relationships where one spouse may not believe in Jesus. Together, we will lift up our children, students, and youth. Across the world, we will individually pray for the cities in which we live, lifting up the leaders and decision makers. And we will pray for our countries, including our United States of America. Let's ask God for a renewal of the Holy Spirit in our churches and guidance amongst our governments and leadership. This October, we hope you'll join us for a significant prayer life. Let's unite in prayer and be part of what God is doing across the globe. Visit asignificantprayerlife.com to sign up today.